Hello, good evening everybody. Welcome to Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel. Tonight I am here with Andy Pye, who is a coach, well the coach, the founder of Trail Running West Midlands, which is near where I was born and raised, Coventry, um, so south of Birmingham. And um, he um, runs coaching sessions and training sessions there, all to do with trail running. And he recently com completed an amazing epic journey around the the tops of the West Midlands. So we'll be talking about that tonight. And we'll also be um, talking and getting all Andy's advice for how you can train for hills in a flat place like the Midlands, because we're not all blessed with living near the mountains. Um, so welcome, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, what have you been up to today? Well, thank you for having me, uh, Claire. It's uh, amazing to be invited to the show. Uh, today, um, I've had a day off. So I've had a day with uh, my daughter, Alyssa, um, and we actually had an opportunity to get to town, have some food, and just have a really good time playing around and stuff. So yeah, it's been a, a nice day off and a day off training as well. So it's been good. Cool. Oh, that's good. It's nice to have a week off from time to time. Um, and so first of all, I just want to find out a little bit more about the Midlands Tops um, epic sort of. Well, it's sort of an FKT, isn't it, that you did? Um, it's, it is now. Uh, I actually created the round, so it's um, back in 2021. Um, I was looking for something to do, uh, something to create for my 40th birthday and um, I decided to give something um, to the, the fell running and trail running community and create a round that they could do here uh, that could be sort of an introduction to um, larger distance events uh, such as the T round, the Bob Graham round and a way of building your way up. Yeah. Um, and also here in South Birmingham, not a lot of people are aware of how hilly um, the, the North Worcester and South Birmingham area is. Um, so you've got the Licky Hills, you've got the Waisley Hills, and then that links up to the Clent Hills as well. Wow. So I created a route um, to join all the tops um, in a nice big loop, starting and finishing at the Licky uh, Hills Visitor Centre. Oh, that's um, nice. <laughs> and done it that way. So it's about 16 miles and 2,700 feet of climb. Um, so it's quite, wow. a, quite, quite a good uh, route. Yeah, what, so 16 miles, or did you say yeah. 60? Yeah, 16, 16. With 2,500 feet? Yeah. Oh, feet, that, yeah. sorry, I thought you said metres. No, oh my no, God. I, I still, I still I work in feet. I've been to the wrong Birmingham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still work in feet, so, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's quite a tough event um, if you want to get around. I've had quite a few people uh, complete the round already. Cool. Uh, the fastest time so far is one hour and 59 minutes. Oh, wow. Um, quite amazing. amazing. Yeah. Um, I actually did it on my birthday as a ah. recce and I finished it in two hours 44 wow. so I was quite pleased with that yeah. Uh, but yeah I've had quite a few people and I actually use it as part of my um, training routes for my uh, athletes who are training for bigger events and that as well oh brilliant yeah it's great to have a route which links up so many hills and gets a, a yeah. big fat uh, number of um, number of feet or meters into the ascent there. Um, yeah, and are, are you thinking of turning into a race or a yearly event or anything like that? It's funny you say that. Um, so I've recently taken on a new leader to help me out with my Wednesday sessions um, for my uh, trail hit and run sessions that I do at the Licky Hills. And she is also very keen to put on an event and she did the round and said it was amazing. She wanted to actually put it on. So we're actually in the process of trying to work out how um, to put it on. 
um, and use uh, quite a lot of the local uh, businesses at the same time. Uh, the Rose and Crown um, public house at the bottom of Rose Hill, uh, the Lickies, they're very keen to host it and um, award everyone with a, a local pie as a finishing uh, oh, gift rather brilliant. than medals. And stuff. So yeah, we're just working uh, and negotiating with the councils and stuff to uh, get permission to do the event. But yeah, it's uh, a work in progress at the moment. That's brilliant news because they're just there's quite a few trail running trail races like down south on the coast and in the southeast in Cornwall yeah. and things like that. But you don't see a lot of trail races in the Midlands necessarily, not compared no. to the lakes and the Peak District, do you? Yeah. So that's, that's really right. good to add that one in. Oh, um, you'll have to um, let us know when it's ready, and I'll, I'll tell everybody about it. Yeah. yeah that's brilliant well congratulations on setting up that amazing route and um, congratulations for having clients that can get such great times on it it must make you feel really proud of them yeah it does yeah and it's good to have the feedback that the uh, the route is good it's uh, it's difficult because it's runnable um, yeah. but the views you get as well um, you can at some uh, spots you can see all the way over to Morven and the Brecon Beacons so it does offer you really good views as well um, if you just want a day out just to go around and enjoy it. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Just over the half marathon, that sounds brilliant. Yeah. A good, good marathon training route as well then. Yeah, definitely. Oh, great. And so you mentioned the trail hit and run sessions. Just before we go on to talk about more of the like the hill training side of things, um, what, what goes on in, in the trail hit and run sessions? So um, most uh, Wednesdays and Sundays, I say most because I work uh, in the public services, uh, so I work shifts, so I can't do every single uh, week. I uh, put on a one hour session um, where I try and get groups of up to 15 people um, out on the trails and we do um, dynamic warm ups. Uh, we do strength and conditioning uh, for tra uh, tra specific for trail running. Uh, and then we work on the hills with a bit of speed um, and do uh, the sort of things you do at a club on the tracks but I transfer it and put it onto the trails um, and the bonus of having a smaller group of only 15 I've got to coach people properly during those sessions as well and then we do a nice cool down uh, and everyone's ready to go home and have a good glass of wine and if after enjoying the that I put them through. Yeah, I like the name Hit and Run because it's yeah. um, high intensity interval training, isn't it? The H I I T. Yeah, so I like, does, what, it, I like what you've it done. It does there. have an attraction, <laughs> even though it's misused quite a lot by the fitness industry. Um, I tend to do it properly. I've um, I've read up a lot on the science application of uh, hit training, mm -hmm. and uh, if you do it correctly, you can have some amazing results. Mm. Uh, oh wow! And how soon would you be looking for results? Say, if you came to your session every week or something like that. If people were coming every week, um, you'd, you'd notice changes within a month. Oh definitely. wow! Yeah. Uh, but I've had people who have been coming to me for quite a while, and at the start they were only just running five k, and now they're you know, running. Well, the training for the UTMB. Oh, um, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so incredible. Have a good range. But the, the nice thing is because we're on the trails, um, a lot of people think they'll just end up getting left behind and lost. But we go to one point and the faster runners I send back to the uh, the people at the back. So they bring everyone together and we all train in one place. And so it's quite a very nice environment to train in. Yeah, it sounds very inclusive. I like that yeah. loop, looping back idea. Like our yeah, club does definitely. that on the long, steady runs at the weekend as well. Yeah. yeah. And so, if somebody say doesn't live in Birmingham and can't get to your trail hit and run classes, what kind of exercises could they do themselves, like on a Wednesday night, um, to do it for themselves? 
So to do it for themselves, um, they you can do a lot of body weight exercises. Um, it's it's quite easy to go into the normal bilateral exercises, like squats, press ups, um, push and pull exercises. Um, but a lot of people forget that, especially with trail running, that you you, you only really have one on the ground at one time. So you have to work unilateral exercises, lunges, step ups. Um, single leg calf raises, um, all those sort of things. And also I like to train people from doing the very basic stuff and slowly progress into the more advanced stuff rather than jumping straight into it, just so they can get the technique right first. So um, what I like to do is um, start people on very basic exercises and slowly progress. So they'll start on the zombie squats, for instance, and then they'll slowly progress to doing reverse lunges, front lunges, uh, and things like that. What's so, a zombie squat? Um, so intrigued. a zombie squat is just doing a normal squat, but with, with your arms out in front of oh, you. Oh, okay, like this. And, and, yeah, but all it does is it makes sure your upper body is in a nice position rather okay. than bending forward. You get a lot of people who squat and they bend forward as they're oh, squatting. Okay. So it just makes sure their technique is right before yeah. they uh, progress on to anything else. Oh, okay. Um, and you used a very so, posh word there earlier, which was unilateral. And while you were talking, I actually worked out what. <laughs> you meant which was one leg is that right yeah like, or one yeah. side of the body yeah yeah she is one side at a time yeah. so it's... bilateral is both legs oh yeah is uh, one leg it's funny that you say that be- well not funny but it's it's interesting that you said that because a couple of weeks ago we had carla molinaro on um the, mm. the jog world record holder for the ladies and yeah. she was saying that because running such a it's basically jumping from one leg to the other it's really important to yeah. do one-legged workouts so yeah yeah so, definitely yeah. It sounds like, um, yeah, your classes would be really beneficial. Um, I suppose, like, do you start people off with just really simple things like standing on one leg or one-legged squats yeah. and things like that? So I do a lot of that in the warm-ups. Um, so with the warm-ups, we'll um, do very dynamic stuff, uh, working mobility, hopping on one leg, uh, pogo jumps where you're jumping up and down on both legs, and then I'll slowly progress into jumping up and down on one leg um, just to create a bit more strength um, in the Achilles. Uh, and in the calves, um, and then we just slowly progress the mobility, doing bear crawls um, and and stretching T spine stretches and things like that, just so the body's um, ready uh, to do all the movements that you'd expect, especially running downhill. Because people uh, they love training uphill, but they don't train downhill as much as they should. Oh, that's interesting. Because I've put on the thumbnail to this broadcast, I've put how to train for uphill, what well, hills. Actually, I just put hills, but by that I thought uphill. So that's really interesting that you said that. So uh, we'll have to cover a bit of the downhills as well, seeing as yeah, you said definitely. that. Yeah. Okay. Oh well, that's good. Well, I think people have got enough information there, hopefully, to do a little hit session of their own. But obviously, it's just much more fun if you go in a group, isn't it? Like yeah. that's. Yeah. That all just sounded like really fun doing the bear crawls and things and, yeah. and like laughing at other people doing the zombie and stuff <laughs> um so yeah your classes sound really fun so i really would urge anybody who lives anywhere near the licky hills to give them a go um yeah and they sound really inclusive as well so um that's a massive bonus if anybody was feeling a bit not not that confident about going then they should just yeah. turn up shouldn't they yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. We're, we're, we're very welcoming as well. Uh, everyone's very friendly. But everyone gets introduced to the whole group at the start, and we, they just talk all the time. 
<laughs> is it uh, like Alcoholics Anonymous? Hi, yeah, my yeah. name's so and so, and I'm a trail runner. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that sounds really good. Um, next time I'm in the area, I'll have to see if I can come along to one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so, so let's just move on to the hills now, then, because obviously you've created this really hilly route for people to train for more exciting, like rounds and races. Um, and you've got somebody training like that came to you doing a 5k and then now they want to do the UTMB, the Ultra Tour de Mont Blanc, like over 100 miles through the mountains. Yeah. And presumably they live near you. How on yeah. earth do you get to, how do, on earth do people train for the mountains in a, a normal non-mountainous place? It's, That's a big question. It, <laughs> what do you do to start with? <laughs> um, you, you start with the conditioning um, phase. and. Um, along with a lot of coaching, you'll periodize, uh, you'll do periodization blocks, um, and it's all about having patience um, with uh, your athletes as well, which is something I definitely learnt over lockdown and having a newborn at the same time. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and you'll you'll condition people depending on their current fitness and the event that they're training for. And especially somewhere like the Licker Hills and the Wazer Hills, it's about looking around and seeing what sort of ground and hills are suitable to train on. So for instance, yesterday I was doing a session for myself um, based on Kenyan hill nets, um, where you have a route which has an uphill and downhill and two flat sections. Okay. So it's a bit like having a sloped 400 meter track and just running loops for a certain amount of time. And then at the end of that time, you have a recovery and then go again. Oh, okay. It's a really good way of conditioning to run up flat and down. Um, a lot of cross country runners will do those. Um, a lot of um, fell runners will do that as well, and, and mountain runners. Um, it's also picking the sort of terrain that the event is going to replicate as well. So, um, for instance, um, at the Nicky Hills, we're quite lucky because we've got some really steep banks which I can do sprinting tools on. Yeah, I've been to um, the Licky Hills before. It's really steep, but it's not very yeah, long, is it? It's like the height of a house, but yeah. really, like nearly a 40, it seems like a 45 degree angle. It's probably That's not, right. but it's so really steep. Lick, <laughs> you've got the Licky Hill Golf Course, and there's some banks off the golf course, which uh, I'd probably say only less than 75 metres in length, but you can really work some good power uh, intervals on there. But then you've got, if you move across to Wazer Hills, and you've got some longer uh, hills that you can work the longer intervals on. Um, if, you were, if you're in the cities, I do encourage um, my athletes to try and find uh, multi-story car parks which are safe, um, sets of stairs which you can just run up and down because the conditioning is so good and um, it's, it's just a way of getting the legs and body used to the movements of running uphill um, yeah. or the locks. Um, I know a man who trained for the Bob Graham round. Um, he used yeah. to work in London and Manchester, and Manchester's quite, quite yeah. flat actually. And he used to train. He he found like these multi-story car parks with like like five floors or something. You just used to run up and down, up and down. Yeah. And he said that that was actually really good training mentally as well, because yeah, wherever he was going to race was much better views than that. So he knew that he could do it. Well, I've actually um, got one of my clients at the moment who's doing the Langollen 50 mile event in June. And um, at the bottom of Beacon Hill, there's um, a private, it's, it's owned by Worcestershire National Trust. Uh, it's called Beaconwood, and the track around it is literally just one mile. And there's about 500 feet of climb if you do that full loop. 
Yeah. Uh, and what I do is, especially to test their mentality as well, is just get them doing loops and loops and loops around that um, for an hour and a half, two hours. Oh. And it really, <laughs> but it, it really conditions them. And I'm sure you know what it's like on an ultra. It's a mental challenge as well as a physical challenge. So it, it will challenge them in both ways. It's preparing them, their mind and their body at the same time. So is that a bit like the Kenyan hill reps? The they do a loop of up and a down. Yeah. So yeah. It, it'll go up, it'll uh, loop back down, and then come back up again. Yeah. But it's quite a long loop, so they'll just they'll hike bits of it, they'll run bits of it, and it really helps them practice their pace and ultra training as well. Ah, and you know, like if you were to do Kenyan hills, are you supposed to sprint up the hill and sprint down the hill and rest on the flat bits, or are you supposed to do the whole thing at a, a relatively even pace? The whole thing at a relatively even hard pace. So oh, okay. Like a, a lot of people use heart rate monitors. I tend to um, prefer to use rate of perceived exertion, yeah. and I'd like to be sort of eight, nine on that as you're doing the reps, and then you should see your recovery drop right back down a good minute or two, depending on the time that you're doing the repetitions for, um, and then going again. Um, but the effort is exactly the same up across yeah. and down. Oh, okay. It sounds like hard work. I don't think I'm going to train with you. <laughs> <laughs> Too much like hard work. I'm not, I'm not that hard work. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I think I cut you off mid flow. I think you were about to say loads of other tips as well for um, training. You mentioned the terrain as well, like seeking out yeah. terrain, like not running on the roads all the time, presumably. Yeah, yeah definitely. So um, for instance, uh, I'm doing the Snowden International Fail Race in sec uh, in July. Sorry, and. There are parts of the lickies that are quite rocky, and so I'll, I'll use those areas to train on. Um, Would you go sort of back and forth on those rocky areas yeah. then? Like reps yeah. of rocks, basically. Yeah, yeah. basically. Because you, you've got to condition the ankles, you've got to condition the knees, because your body's going to be set off in all different directions. And that's where a lot of core work comes into it as well. Um, you, you've really got to work the core, but not sit up sort of crunches, because that's just working your bleeds. It's all about anti-rotational exercises like the pal-off hold, side planks, the bird dog, hip aeroplane, those sort of exercises which everyone can do at home and we know kit, um, which is really, really good for your core uh, stability as well. Um, again, if you're training for something like over in Europe and you're definitely not going to be able to get over there, it's about having a good idea of what the terrain's going to be like and trying to replicate that your home location to see if you can uh, mimic what you're going to be coming up against. And what about mountain? Uh, what about the weather? Sorry, like um, like maybe you're going to do something really hot or really cold. Is that something you would also replicate during the hill training here? Um, so like you can wear loads of clothes or something, or is that something you don't need to worry about as much? Um, so I've recently done a um the US Ultra Coaching Course, uh, which is done by Jason Keep and he's based over in America. Oh yeah. And one of the things he suggests is um, sauna training. Oh right. So it's about doing your training and then diving into a sauna for about 30 minutes straight after. Oh god, that, that, that sounds like my idea of hell, like where's the <laughs> ice bath gone? <laughs> in all fairness, I did read it and I was like, okay, <gasps> fair enough. But he also says that it, you don't necessarily have to train for that. If you can get to the location a, a week or two weeks before your actual event, then you can acclimatise to the heat while you're over there instead. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is, I've done the coastal challenge. Well, I didn't do all of mm. it, but the coastal challenge in Costa Rica and the heat was terrifying on the first day. But then by the second day and the third day and the fourth day, you, you do kind of get used to it and you just yeah. have to run really slowly. <laughs> like, yeah. I thought that I was going to be last on the first day. <laughs> I they, they probably actually, was. They actually recommend that your body will probably adapt to the conditions within 72 hours. Yeah. With the amount it sweats and everything. So as long as you can replace that with the electrolytes and things, then you should be fine. Yeah, yeah, eat lots, sleep well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And is there anything else that people should be doing? You did mention training for downhills as well. I'm quite interested in that because no one really talks about that. No. So we all know that um, when you're doing an event in the mountains, you're not just going to be climbing, you're going to be running downhill at the same time. Um, they've proven uh, scientifically that as you're running downhill, you're probably putting about seven times your body weight through your legs. So you need to replicate that, otherwise you're going to end up um, with jelly legs at, um, as you get to the bottom of the hills, uh, which then can then increase the risk of uh, getting an injury. So there's a lot. Of, that's why a lot of the time you'll do single leg exercises, uh, but wearing split squats, um, path raises, um, things like that, and running downhill. You need to practice the descending as much as you do the uphills because. You need to be able to um, judge where your footing's going to go, pick your route as you're going down the hill. Um, as you know, fell running, you don't particularly run on the tracks, you'll just run anywhere. So it's about picking that line and uh, going down as fast as you can, but can control your fall at the same time. It's controlled falling um, <laughs> and just having a good uh, footing. Um, Running on the roads, running uphill, they'll talk about running on your toes or midfoot as much as you can. Whereas running downhill, I always suggest people getting as much of a foot on the ground as possible so they've got a nice stable um, platform on every single foot strike that they do. Yeah. And uh, would you recommend that people do, like with the hill sessions and also the, the downhill sessions, should they do a certain amount of time or a certain amount of reps? Um, like it must depend on their fitness level and experience yeah. mustn't it yeah. how do it, you it, sort of gauge where you are and decide <laughs> how to do it um so a lot of the time when i'm especially when i'm taking on one-to-one -one, uh, athletes i'll discuss how fit they are i am sometimes enough um when they're living close to me i'll do some fitness assessments with them as well um i like to do the 30 15 intermittent fitness test which is a bit like the bleep test but oh. it's uh, <laughs> But it's pet over 40 meters and it's running backwards and forwards for 30 seconds, 15 seconds rest and it gets faster and faster and faster. So it's a nice way without having to go into a, a laboratory of being able to assess someone's VO2 mats. And then you can start working on the sort of reps that they do. So if, for instance, um, I'll always start with conditioning people with Kenyan hill reps. And you can start with as little as one minute work up to five you get some olympians that are doing 30 minute kenyan hill reps wow. um to get fit but then it's also working on the long hill reps and that and you just slowly slowly increase the time that they're doing those reps um and they'll can they'll, they'll condition over time but also making sure that they have their rest periods as well yeah right down and let the muscles recover ready so they're almost fresh for the next repetition as well yeah so you just if you're starting off doing anything like this just do a few to start with or a small amount of time yeah. to start with of either Kenyan hill reps or some just up and down hill reps 
And yeah. then how often would you recommend doing a session like that, like during the week? Like, would you do it once or twice a week or? Yeah, I, yeah. So, so a hard session like that, um, I would probably do once a week. Um, yeah. You're probably going to be doing a long run um, at the end of the week where you'll be going over hilly terrain anyway, but a specific session like that probably done once a week because you've got to allow your body to recover. Um, and you're going to have other things that you're going to be training for um, during that week as well. So uh, I'd probably put a hard session like that in once a week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah, that would, I do actually like hill training. Like I, I do do it like most Thursdays and it is quite fun because rather than yeah. just plodding around, you've got an idea in your mind, haven't you? You've got, you can tick them off as you go. I usually do like six times 60 seconds just of a, of a hill near my house. And that's enough, you know, like I'm just getting yeah. back into things. So, yeah, yeah, just can't be too hard on yourself. Um, no, well, I, I also do tell people to listen to their bodies as well. Sometimes, um, for instance, um, with my clients, I'll, t- I'll tell them that today's session is eight repetitions. But if you get to four, five or six and your body's saying, no, I've had enough of this, then that's fine because you're not going to lose anything by doing an extra two repetitions. You've already gained um, quite a bit. So it's always good to listen to your body and not push it beyond what you're capable of at that time. Yeah. You, you may be tired. You may have had a bad night's sleep. You may have had um, a difficult day with the children, um, a difficult day at work. So I always suggest listening to your body and just not pushing past um, what you should do. Yeah, it's difficult though, isn't it? Because like, yeah. how how do you know when you're being lazy? Like I, last week, I forced myself to do a lot of exercise. It was quite a hard week, and then on Saturday, I was just completely battered. So this week, I've eased off a bit, and yeah, I do feel lazy. Like I didn't do my strength and conditioning class this morning. I went to bed for an hour actually after dropping Finley at nursery. I just just went to bed for an hour. Yeah. Um, and I, I felt better for it, but I also feel guilty for missing the session. <laughs> but, but what you can do there is your next strength and conditioning session, you just put more effort into that and oh, you'll okay. still get, you're not going to lose anything by dropping one session every now and again. You're yeah. Really okay. That's okay then. Maybe I'll do a little, little job tomorrow. I did dance for Finley as I fed him this evening. So, uh, <laughs> me and Steve, he's got this little truck thing and it, it just says, it does like various tunes like the can can. So me and Steve were can canning yeah. and Finley was just looking at us going, what in mummy and daddy doing yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so dance i think yeah dancing and stuff is a good way of like if you could if you can try and incorporate some of the twists and the lunges and stuff into yeah, dancing definitely. then it's got to be good hasn't it <laughs> um and i wanted um, i'm gonna read out a couple of things on the live chat in a minute but i just wanted okay. to ask you um a bit about poles because poles feature quite a lot in races like the utmb and some of the longer distance ultras and I just wondered what your views or your advice was on training with poles. Um, and yeah, how would you recommend people go about incorporating poles into their yeah. training? So when I started out um, into fell running, um, obviously fell runners don't use poles. Yeah, cheating sticks. <laughs> um, yeah, cheating sticks. However, as I've um, gained more experience as a coach, um, I've learned that they're a very valuable tool because yeah. they can reduce your effort level by at least 30%, so you're actually saving quite a bit of energy. Um, what I will say to um, athletes that want to use poles is make sure you get a good set of poles. Um, I know Harrier.com, uh, they do some really good poles that are very affordable as well, um, and train with them. Um, it's the same as carrying the kit. If you're training for an event where you've got to carry a load of kit, 
get the kit, pack your bag, put it on your back and train with it because if you only leave it to the day of the race, then it's going to be a massive shock to the system. Whereas yeah. if you can actually get out there and train with them and get used to using them, then it, it'll give you a lot more advantage when you actually come to race day. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're really useful, aren't they? We've actually got a polls review that I'll, I'll link to. Um, it should pop up just over there, um, if I remember to do that, <laughs> at 27.39. I'll write them up a note. And, um, yeah, and the Harrier polls are really good as well. Um, they are only £70 for the pair still of the Helvellyn Carbon Z polls. So definitely get your hands on a pair of them. Uh, they're really good starter pair of polls. Um, but yeah, I used to think that poles weren't useful at all, and now I'm totally converted like you, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely useful for the long races. Um, and um, I just wanted to uh, just ask you a little bit about the motivation as well. Like, how, how do you get motivated to do things like, you know, like the strength and conditioning and balance moves that you've talked about here tonight that will make people better at uphills? And how yeah. do you get the motivation to do a hill session as well, like up and down? Um, how, yeah. how would you I, I think the motivation <laughs> comes from entering the event in the first place. Um, okay. And I, I, th I think once you know that you're training for something that's hard, um, then you, you know you've got to put the extra effort in. Um, when I entered the <laughs> Snowdonia 50 um, back in 2019, um, I knew that um, you know, I was covering 50, 50 to 55 miles, 16,500 feet. I couldn't get to Wales every weekend, and I'd have to just motivate myself to get out there, do the training, and um, get myself as fit as possible. Plus, being um, ex-parachute regiment, I didn't want to fail. Um, <laughs> you don't like to fail when you've been in a regiment like that. So the motivation was there. I wanted to make my wife proud. I was raising money for Save the Children, so people had donated. Mm. And I think it's just things like that. They just keep you headstrong. And on that event, I did have some very, very low moments. And a couple of moments I thought, oh, I'm just going to suck it off. And my wife was calling me. I had some friends text me as well. And it just motivates you to keep going. Um, and that's the same in the training. Um, you, you just know that you've got to put your body through it because if you don't, you're just not going to complete the event. Yeah, and you've got to ask yourself, like, it's short-term pain, isn't it? Well, unless yeah. you've got an, an injury or something like that, I would not advise yeah. anyone to run through an injury. But, yeah, it's a short-term pain and um, yeah, it's all definitely. character building. <laughs> yes, which is, again, you know, whatever the weather, you just got to get out there. The moment you step out and you start, then jobs are good and um, you're just going to crack on because whether it's wet or it's hot, you've got to do the session and that will also train you for the conditions on the day because you don't know what conditions you're going to be racing in. So just get out there and, and do it. And do it, yeah. And so that's when it must come in really handy to have a coach like you, yeah. like somebody, you're accountable for something, you've got a training yeah. plan, you know exactly, you're not deciding yourself, oh, should I do this or should I do that? So, yeah, totally. Yeah, can you tell me a bit more about how people would contact you for coaching and like and how it works with you? Yeah, so um, I've, I've got a website, uh, Trail One Rest Midlands. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. And um, there's a form on my website which people can fill out or they can message me direct. And then what I do is I send them an email with pre-coaching questionnaire um, just to get an idea of what they've been up to. 
where they are now, what the event is, what their races are between then and now. So I can actually assess um, also whether they're in the right, right mind of, uh, get my words out, the right mindset before they start. So they can, um, so I know how much work I've got to do with them. The coach makes them accountable, as you said, but it's also there for support and not just for the sessions. Um, they can contact you um, any time of the day, uh, WhatsApp, um, phone calls at least once a month, just to talk through how their training has been, how they are um, themselves and whether they're enjoying it, having a bad time. And you end up um, with some of your clients getting quite um, a good relationship, a good working relationship. The um, my one client that I'm training for the UTMB, um, I've been with her for four years, and she just absolutely loves it. We're actually really good friends now um, since we started. So, yeah, it's um, it, it gives you more support than just following training plan out of a book or a magazine. And yeah, personalised. Yeah, it's it's very much personalised. So I'll do a four week block um, for most people, uh, five weeks sometimes, depending on their fitness. And during their recovery week, I'll then contact them if they haven't contacted me in between. And we'll discuss the next training block, what's the expectation, what they're going to be doing. They let me know also um, their commitments during the next month, whether they've got weddings to go to, Hindus, stag do's, what their work commitments are. And I can work it around there. I've got one client who, uh, like me, works shifts, but it's a 10-day shift pattern. And doing a seven-day training week when you actually work a 10-day shift plan can be quite difficult. Yeah. So I do a 10-day training plan um, and work it that way. So it's, it makes them, it makes it more easy for them to get all their training into those 10 days. Yeah, that's very wise. And, and some people work on a 10-day training plan anyway. Like I've heard yeah. that seven days is like a bit much for some types of training. So yeah, yeah I think yeah. I'm sure Marcus Scottney at one point told me about that and saying that was an advantage sometimes and um and i'm interested to know andy do you have a coach yourself or do, do you coach yourself with the knowledge that you've got i coach myself but i have uh, so, so the, the um there's two people who um tutored me when i first became a coach graham woodward and steve pearson and they mentor me now so although i coach myself if i've got an event coming up i will always contact them and get their guidance um, so I can aim to go in the right direction myself. And if I'm having a bit of a difficult time or um, things aren't working out, then I'll contact them and they'll help me out. So yeah, again, two very good friends who are you know, mentoring me to become better um, at what I'm doing and coaching myself as well. Cool. Oh, that's fantastic. It sounds dreamy. <laughs> um, I just want to read you a few, just a few of the comments, um, just so that you can see that people are watching and enjoying. Um, so Antonio Cardinelli says, hello. <laughs> nice Hi. and simple. Um, Hannah Basie says, good evening. Um, I live in a hilly area just south of Sheffield, but always keen to hear recommend recommendations of hill sessions. So hopefully the Kenyan Hills is a, a nice one for you, Hannah. <laughs> um, we've got Philippe uh, Pinord. He says, great to see Andy here. I have been training with him for the last five months and his plans are great. So there you go. There Not bad, is it? <laughs> what better accolade can you get than that? Um, 
Uh, Susie Dand says, as a Londoner, I'm finding this all very helpful. Um, and Philippe also mentioned that he's a big fan of the Kenyan Hills. Um, he says they're hard but enjoyable, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, and Richard Greaves says, um, this is great. He's a fellow Brummy um, and he's going to his first sky run in the coming months. So yeah. um, he says it, he feels like he's been doing some of the right training. So, so you've made him yeah. feel better there. Um, yeah, do you get many clients doing sky races as well? Um, so not at the moment. Um, I've t the, the people I train are doing various different things. I've got um, two that do a lot of obstacle course racing. Um, oh, wow. One of them uh, has actually, he's in his 50s and has actually um, gotten to the podium uh, oh. for his age group um, for the Spartan Race um, trilogy. Um, so that, that's, that's something I've been quite proud to help him achieve. Um, but I've also that there's a guy who lives nearby who's been coached by Damien Hall. Um, oh right! He's actually used my round, um, the Midland Tops round, to as part of his training for the Paddy Buckley round, which he's oh, doing this summer. So great. it's yeah, he, we're in contact quite a bit, and he does tell me a bit about the training he's doing and stuff. So yeah, it's uh, it's nice that he's actually using stuff that I've put out there to uh, help with his training. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, well, um, where can people find the route of that round if they want to do it themselves? Um, I know so you've got it on website. Strava. Oh, it's yeah, on it's your on, website. It's on my website. Oh, okay. Uh, I've tried to give it, uh, keep it as traditional as possible by doing grid references and um, start finishes at the Licky Hills. Um, because I want to try and encourage people to explore it, find their own routes rather than just follow uh, GPX. However, it is on my Strava um, as well if people just want to download it and have a go. Uh, and it, you'll also find it on fastestknowntime.com um, because I'm waiting for someone to uh, do a very fast time and uh, get around. Yeah, I've just flipped. I've just flicked up the um, the Midlands Top Strava that you um, that you sent to me, um, and it does look epic. It sort of looks like a a mountain race. <laughs> if you didn't know it was in the Midlands, you'd just think it was in the Pyrenees or something. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is one road. Uh, I think it's Windward Heath Road, which you have to go down and then come back up, and it's a sixteen percent gradient on the way back up, which is uh, wow. and it's half a mile long. So <gasps> wow. That, certainly shops the legs on the way back yeah that is definitely good training it sounds like a great route like i yeah. have to come and do it sometime <laughs> it's not that far away I do, I do upset people though because cofton hill which is uh, the final checkpoint before they finish actually takes you past your car if, you, if you've parked in the car park oh no I've done that on purpose, <laughs> that just is so there. funny <laughs> <laughs> oh that's brilliant uh, I think that's great I just think it's amazing how you're opening up like you're opening up the trails of South Birmingham area and like the Midlands area but also you're using those trails for people to kind of springboard and go further afield and do even yeah. more, more mountainous things so it's just fantastic yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there who road run um, and want to go off road, but are just worried about taking that step. And what I'm trying to do, especially um, in the West Midlands, is help people take that step forward and gain their confidence so they, they can go off and do their own adventures or even have me coach them to do their own adventures. But the, the main reason that I've started all this off is so I can try and encourage people to get off the road and go onto the trails. And now I'm helping people from going off the trails onto the fells uh, by doing a few workshops over the church strip as well. 
brilliant. Oh, that sounds great. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to just impart to people about um, heel training up or down? Um, or have we said everything that you wanted to say tonight? Um, I think that the, one of the main things is just enjoy yourself. Um, trail running is not about wearing a chest strap, following your heart rate and um, running a certain time. It's about just running a route, enjoying the views and just having a bit of an adrenaline rush, especially on the downhills. Putting the hard work in on the uphills, but just generally having a, a good time um, doing an activity that everyone enjoys. Fantastic. That's wise words and great advice. I just want to say thank you so much, Andy, for coming on tonight and sharing all your pearls of wisdom about hill running and training for hills um, in a place that's not super, super mountainous or even quite flat. Um, it's been really, really helpful. And I'm sure that loads of people listening that live in cities and, and areas like South Birmingham will will be taking your advice on board and some of the people that live around Birmingham area hopefully will turn up at your trail uh, yeah, the trail right. hit classes oh what was the name again that's a great name trail hit and run trail hit and run that's it yeah yeah that sounds brilliant um so yeah thank you so much Andy um and I will see you on the trails yeah definitely thank you cool good night everybody